Today's Big Tent Ideas podcast is from Chris Clark, whose book-length essay, Warring Fictions, makes the case for pluralism on the political left. We hope you enjoy this episode where Chris talks about the difference between populism and non-populism, starting with the Labour Party, the tradition from which his own politics come. In particular, he analyses where the two sides of the Labour Party really disagree. Ever since Jeremy Corbyn became Labour leader, this has been the question which dogged those of us who were sceptical about him. Are Labour's Corbyn critics trudging towards different castles on different hills, or are we aiming to get to the same place at a different speed or via a different route? Are we centre because we'd like to be far, but don't think it's possible, or are we aiming to get to somewhere completely different? I've regularly been asked these sorts of questions by Corbyn's supporting friends ever since he became Labour leader. If electability wasn't an issue, would I vote for him? Is policy the problem? Or do I have a fundamentally different set of values to the Labour left? In the early days of Corbyn's leadership, I dodged this. I pretended I saw him as being in the mould of well-meaning leftists like Ed Miliband or Michael Foote. I didn't particularly rate these individuals as politicians, but I had no trouble voting and campaigning for them. But the truth is that Corbyn was and is different. There existed, right from the start, something about his brand of politics that I just could not get behind. So, what was it? The real answer wasn't, for me, about electability, especially after the 2017 election, where Corbyn did much better than expected. And while policy differences were an issue, particularly on Brexit, they were not the issue. Nor, however, was this really about values. I did not consider Corbyn to be too left-wing. In fact, I didn't consider him to be that radical at all. If being left-wing means a commitment to social justice, equality, fairness, collectivism, community, internationalism, etc., then the supposed far-left are no further left than I am. The failure to satisfactorily answer these questions, the questions of where the difference lies, has led to the current situation within the Labour Party where the Corbynite left proposes its own explanations. We are Blairites, they say. We're centrists. We're neoliberals. We're closet Tories, or even fascists, according to some. A couple of years ago, I set out to try and articulate the real answer, in what came to be a book-length essay, which I called Warring Fictions. In starting out, I thought about all my debates with friends, and about all the left-wing Twitter spats that I'd seen, And what struck me was that the real difference was with narrative, analysis, explanation, worldview, the basic premise. I remembered, for example, a conversation with a left-wing friend, long before anyone had ever heard of Jeremy Corbyn. The conversation was about a Guardian newspaper profile of the then-Chancellor George Osborne. My friend thought that fat cats at the Guardian editorial team had written about Osborne as part of a wider media strategy to legitimise him, and to covertly champion tooth-and-claw capitalism. I simply didn't share this view, especially as the piece was itself pretty critical of Osborne. I thought that The Guardian wanted to sell papers, engage with a senior politician, and perhaps caught a bit of controversy. But I couldn't persuade my friend otherwise, and we ended up having a bad-tempered stalemate, where she concluded that I was a closet right-winger. But what's interesting is that neither of us were arguing about values or policies, Neither of us supported Osborne's austerity programme. We were arguing about whose explanation of the world 
was the correct one. Almost every debate between the wings of Labour since 2015 has followed this same sort of template. An exasperated, how can you think that, hangs heavy in the air as a result. How can you believe that the 97 to 2010 governments were, quote, neoliberal? Or that the idea that Corbyn supported the IRA is a smear? Or that the EU is a capitalist club? Or that scrapping tuition fees will reduce inequality? Or that Conservatives are motivated solely by self-interest? And supporters of Corbyn no doubt felt that I was deluded for not believing these self-evident truths. Starting with such a different premise, all that could follow is a set of non-secateurs. It was the equivalent of talking about a football match with someone and wondering afterwards, were we watching the same game? For me, there are three narratives in particular which create these big differences in analysis. Three myths which are, to me, flawed, but which, to the populist left, are articles of faith. The first, which I call the Dark Knight, is to do with politics and morality. Left populists see the political spectrum as a moral spectrum. Every disagreement between individuals, policies, movements, institutions or even nations shakes down to a clash of good and evil, a left-wing white knight against a right-wing dark knight. The second narrative, which I call the puppet master, concerns power and society. The populist analysis is that problems are designed by elites who crush or silence the people for personal gain via the, quote, mainstream media or other mechanisms. Democratic governments do not mediate poorly or prioritise wrongly, according to this puppet master analysis. They oppress willfully for their own gain. And the third narrative, which I call the golden era, relates to decline and change. This says that society is becoming more right-wing in every way, that socialist Arcadias from the past have been destroyed by neoliberalism. The prescription is that a year zero approach is needed to resuscitate the golden era from which we've departed and halt the globalised world. Taken together, these three populist myths, the Dark Knight, the Puppet Master and the Golden Era, have the potential to take Labour down reactionary and self-defeating cul-de-sacs. Labour's much-discussed anti-Semitism crisis, for example, combined a Dark Knight, good-against-evil view of the Middle East with a puppet master desire to seek out a separate, otherworldly group pulling the strings. Likewise, Corbyn's support for Brexit dovetails a puppet master suspicion about elites running a capitalist club in Brussels with a golden era hankering for a pre-global age where socialism in one country was possible. Interestingly, all three myths have their equivalent on the political right. Right-wing populists like Nigel Farage, for instance, claim that those who disagree with them are un-British, unprincipled or immoral, singling out saboteurs in the same way that left populists single out red Tories. Likewise, they also hold elites culpable, metropolitan or liberal in their case, rather than global. Right populists see themselves as victims of a deep institutional bias on the part of the liberal media rather than the right-wing press. And, like left populists, they're driven by decline and a sense of nostalgia, not for the Keynesian consensus of Attlee, but for the once great Britain of Churchill. When we talk about horseshoe theories, or about Corbyn stealing the Trump playbook, this is what we mean. 
not an overlap in values necessarily, but a shared reliance on divisive and dishonest narratives. The alternative to these populist narratives, explanations and assumptions is not moderation, centrism or supposed neoliberalism. The alternative has no ideological leaning at all, in fact. Instead, it's about pluralism. If you're a pluralist, you do not assume that the political spectrum is a moral one. Instead, you think there are a range of ideals that people strive for and you seek to persuade and to compromise. Likewise, pluralists don't believe that all or most humans covertly share their politics and that only a puppet master elite blocks the will of the people. Instead, they think citizens are pursuing a range of different goals which are often in conflict with each other. And pluralists are also realistic about the positive and negative aspects of past and future. They do not hold up as pure and true any era of history or any founding moment. I happen to be a left-wing pluralist. Personally speaking, for instance, I'd readily vote for a government that promised to raise inheritance tax to 80 or 90%. But I couldn't vote for one which believed that anyone who opposed this was immoral or suggested that anyone who asked how you'd do it was a mouthpiece of the deep state. But while I may be a left-wing pluralist, you could just as easily be a conservative pluralist, as long as your ideas aren't based on Dark Knight, Puppet Master or Golden Era narratives. You could even be a communist pluralist or an isolationist or nationalist pluralist, although, of course, you would not have a mythical past to fall back on or a set of traitors or saboteurs to blame once the questions got too hard. The implications of these questions go beyond Labour's civil war. There is a large mainstream, sometimes characterised as centrist, who currently have in common a strong sense of political homelessness. They feel they have a place neither in Theresa May's Conservative Party nor in Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party. And there is a pressure, as a result of this, to identify a set of substantive goals and ideals that are shared. But the reality is there is not a single policy prospectus that this group can sit under. There is no centrist agenda, and pretending that there is plays into the caricatures deployed by populists. Finding a manifesto which unites Nick Soames and Jess Phillips would be nigh on impossible, for instance, even though they're both vocal in critiquing populists from their own fringes and the other sides. Rather, the politically homeless mainstream are pluralists from a whole range of political traditions with different values and different ideals. We are united by a rejection of tribalism, conspiracism, declinism and all of the other assumptions which underpin populist approaches. We want a politics which is non-partisan, non-paranoid and non-pessimist, one which is consensual and generally speaking open to change. The problem we have is that the Dark Knight, the Puppet Master and the Golden Era are currently so much in ascendance that a debate is impossible. Reasonable discussion based on common sense and persuasion is drowned out by the three narratives. Getting a proper hearing is impossible as things stand. So, I'd like to finish this podcast by arguing that the real challenge for the politically homeless is not, as things stand, to try and manufacture ideological agreement between left and right-wing pluralists. Instead, it's to support each other in contesting the myths which fuel populism. The Dark Knight, the Puppet Master and the Golden Era 
are ultimately the enemies of a politics which is rational, democratic, serious and fair. It's in all of our interests, whatever our values, to call them out. That was Chris Clark, whose book Warring Fictions you can get if you go to warringfictions.net. Talking of websites, you can find out more about the Big Tent Ideas Festival by going to bigtent.org. And if you want to get involved in that or in this podcast series, then send us an idea by tweeting at us. Follow us at Big Tent Ideas. Please rate this podcast so that people can find us more easily and let us know what you think. We'll be back soon with another Big Tent idea. Thanks for listening.